0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Black, White, and In Color. I am your host, Shanoah Alamu. I love discussing topics that get people talking and sharing stories from everyday people. My opinions have been featured on CNN and Huffington Post, so please join me for this week's episode of Black, White, and In Color. Hey, welcome back to Black, White, and in Color. I am your host, Shanoa Alamu. In today's episode, I want to dig deeper into relationship OCD. In my last episode, I did give you a glimpse of what having relationship OCD is like for me. Yes, I shared my own personal struggle um, with this condition. And to be honest, it's still very hard for me to even believe I have this. Um, like I said in the last episode, it did not really show up in my life until I met um, my now ex-husband. Uh, when we first met, I noticed some, I noticed my body and my mind going through things that really um, reminded me of having a panic attack. Uh, and it really felt like I was even having a heart attack at times. And as I mentioned in the last episode, I thought it was just discernment. But then I noticed I was feeling this way every single time a man showed romantic interest in me. And I felt these very same symptoms, you know, stress down my left arm, heaviness and burning in my chest. Um, my mind just going a mile a minute. I found myself just very obsessed with the relationship itself. Not so much in a love obsession Um Mode, but more so, just constantly asking myself questions of, you know, where is this gonna go, and and do I really like this person, and what if this, and what if that, and you may think, oh, well, Shanoa that's normal. You know, everyone has these doubts, everyone has these fears, everyone has questions about, you know, new relationships or just relationships um, that they have, you know, with a person. Uh, on a romantic level, but a person who has relationship OCD, that's all they can think about. Like it's a constant, it's something that's very difficult to shut off. Um, it's really something that they can't control. Um, so I want to dig deeper into that. And, uh, someone mentioned to me or in, and reached out to me after listening to the last episode that I sounded, Really sad and in pain, and they offered you know to help me any way they could, which was so wonderful and gracious um of this person um so I just felt maybe I need to explain what was going on. um I had gone through a trigger um uh, which led to huge hurt between myself um and my love, you know the guy I'm seeing now and It was just extremely, extremely painful. I said some things I should not have said. Um, I hurt him, which, of course, hurt me. And so as a way for me to cope, because I felt myself getting really depressed and just didn't know what to do with myself emotionally. So I said, hey, I'm going to record a podcast and educate people about this. (laughs) So that was just my way of doing it, you know, Um, which I'm grateful for, because it's a very healthy way to deal with hurt, I think. Um, I didn't put anybody on blast. I didn't sound angry or bitter or, you know, just went out on this, on this rampage. I didn't go and overeat or, you know, so I just chose to educate people about it because like I said, this is a very, uh, this is a fairly new, uh, mental illness that has not reached mainstream, um, the mental health community, um, and you would be hard pressed to find a counselor or a therapist who is even knowledgeable about this, which can be difficult for someone who needs help in this um in this particular area of o c d and so what I have done since then, of course, me and him have have had a deep conversation about it and which led to why I got triggered in the first place um he's understanding this as well which i am grateful for because this certainly has not been easy for him to understand and to deal with um because like i said not too many people even know about it i did a survey in my instagram story and 75% uh i asked the, you know you can you can pose a question in your story and i asked a question you know, have you heard of relationship ROC, You know, relationship OCD? And 75% of the people said no. And so that I was going to do the episode anyway, based on that survey. But then after my trigger and, you know, things in my relationship, I decided to go ahead and use that as an opportunity to um, educate people about it. So today, as I said, I want to dig deeper. And I printed out this ROCD checklist that is only available through uh, the website Awaken Into Love. You can sign up to get a free ROCD checklist just to see if this is something you think you may have. And so, um, in fact, I'm going to have her, Kiyomi Faye. She's the Creator of this website and of this ROCD community because of her own personal story um, and testimony, really, of having had ROCD and now she says she no longer has it, and just things that she did to overcome it. Um, I'm going to interview her in August, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, But I want to read a few thoughts. That someone with ROCD will have or may have in their relationship. And if you hear these thoughts um, and they don't quite match how you think, you know, in a relationship, meaning if you're looking for confirmation that you may have ROCD and you do not um, hear your thought um, after I've read it, it still doesn't mean you don't have it. So this isn't a you know, nuts and bolts, nut and bolt, um, die hard list of what you must be thinking in order to say you have ROCD. So I hope that makes sense. Um, so there are 10 questions that are written here and you might, after I read these, you might be thinking, oh, well, everybody has these thoughts, you know, it's quite normal to have questions and concerns and doubts and fears when you're romantically involved with someone. But the key difference, I think, and again, this is my own opinion because I'm not a medical expert, um, just my own experience, is that you're constantly obsessed with these questions. You know, you're, you're paralyzed by fear uh, over these questions. And so let me go ahead and read them. I'm going to read 10 questions. Number one, if I love my partner, then why does my relationship sometimes feel boring? Shouldn't my relationship be 100% passionate all the time? Every time I kiss or hug my partner or hold hands with them, shouldn't I feel a spark? My partner has been gone for a while. Why don't I miss them? How do I know if my partner is the one for me? Shouldn't I always be attracted to my partner? If I don't find them attractive, is there something wrong with the relationship? Shouldn't my relationship feel like the relationships in romantic movies and books? What if their relationship feels awkward or uncomfortable? Is it over? I'm questioning my love for my partner. Is that okay? I feel like my relationship is hard. Shouldn't it be easy if I really love my partner? And again, you might be thinking, well, that sounds like somebody who just doesn't know what love is or very immature or, you know, um, like I said, or you might be thinking that sounds pretty normal to me. But again, in my opinion, I feel like the key difference is that you're obsessed with these questions. And so I bought a book, you know, after the situation with my love, I bought this book called the Mindfulness Workbook for OCD, A Guide to Overcoming Obsessions and Compulsions Using Mindfulness and Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. And there are chapters, there are different chapters of different areas of OCD. So you have responsibility checking OCD. You have contamination OCD. You have um, harm OCD, Pedofi- pedophile OCD, um, sexual orientation OCD, just right OCD. And so chapter 12 is relationship OCD. So I'm just going to read a little bit from this book. Again, the Mindfulness Workbook for OCD by Drs. John Hirschfield and Tom Corboy, C-O-R-B-O-Y, and it says, relationship OCD is difficult is, I'm sorry, relationship OCD is difficulty in tolerating uncertainty about the quality of a relationship and the genuineness of your feelings about another person. This isn't the typical doubt you might expect when, say, one person is ready for marriage and the other isn't. This is the type of doubt that seeps in insidiously and chips away at the very concept of love and fidelity. If you suffer from ROCD, you feel as if you are in a double bind where your primary source of comfort and security in the world, your partner, becomes your primary source of anxiety. The OCD says that if you don't follow its arbitrary and impossible to satisfy rules, the relationship falls apart. And not only that, it's your fault. And not only that, the person you love most in the world suffers more than you do. Okay, and then in this book, it has its own list of obsessive fears. Um, obsessive fears and ROCD typically include, what if I don't really love my significant other? What if the relationship is going to fail and I need to get out now? What if my partner doesn't know enough about me to make an informed decision about being with me? What if I would be better match with, what if I would be a better match with someone else? What if I can't stop thinking about things that trigger me about my partner, whether it's their physical attribute or their sexual past or philosophical differences? What if I'm not attracted to my partner as I should be? Then it lists typical compulsions in ROCD include mental review of everything pertaining to the relationship, compulsing confessing of doubts about the relationship seeking reassurance about the relationship. I remember, this is, I'm going to take a sidebar here. I remember when, you know, I start having the what if questions in my head and I would immediately go to Google. (laughs) You know, I would go to Google and I would, you know, fact check, you know, and read these articles, 10 signs, you know, that you've met the one or five red flags that lets you know you need to get out now and You know, just constant, constant reassuring that I'm in the right relationship. Um, Mental checking of emotions associated with the relationship. Scenario bending or theorizing about alternatives to the relationship as it is. Avoidance of situations that trigger relationship obsessions. You know, trying not to notice attractive people avoiding participating in discussions about sex or relationships, avoiding being alone, you know, with triggering people. And so it's really, really interesting. You know, um, it can be very difficult to just relax and just enjoy the relationship, enjoy the person. Um, I'm going to be bold and say that I feel like my church upbringing, and I mentioned this uh, in my last episode, um, I really do believe that the church upbringing that I was raised in attributed to this because there were so many rules as to what a relationship should look like, um, what it should feel like, um, especially, you know, You'll just know because God is going to tell you, you know, as if these rules or these um, guideposts or however you want to say it. I can't think of the right word right now, but as if to say this is going to apply for every single person, especially the age old question, is he or she the one, you know, and I have since learned. Thank God. (laughs) Thank God that I have since learned. And again, this is just me. Whoever's listening might feel differently. I have since learned that there is no such thing as the one. Okay, that used to cause me so much anxiety and fear because I was thinking, well, if if this person isn't the one then I'm missing out on the one, you know, and I'm thinking, but how is that possible? You know, I have since learned that there are several men, you know, probably 20 to 100, I don't know, men who would be suitable partners for me that I can choose with the wisdom and the knowledge and understanding that God has given me. My own God-given discernment and wisdom, you know. Uh, of course, you know, bringing other people into the picture to to help vet the person and whatnot. I mean, that's really the best you can do. Now, I understand, and I and I remember hearing so many testimonies of people being told that they knew, you know, because they had peace, or they had confirmation, or God told them. And I think that's fine, you know, and you have, but, but see, this is where it gets tricky because you have people who have said that over the years and now they're no longer together, you know, well, not said that over the years you have had, you have heard people say, I met the one God told me, you know, it's even been prophesied, all this type of stuff. And they're no longer together, you know, and then you have people who meet some kind of way, you know, they make a choice to be together based on the information that they have about the person. Of course, doing their due diligence, making sure that he or she is the right person for them. And they end up, you know, having long-term marriages, you know? So I don't know if you can really, really know. I think that I'm sure people out there will say, Well, yeah, there is a way to know, you know, especially when you uh, include spirituality and things in it. But then you have to look at the divorce rate in the body of Christ, you know, and from what I understand, it's just as high um, than those, quote unquote, secular marriages. So, again, I I think we need to revisit or rethink some of the church teachings um, that are going out there surrounding this topic, because I'm not saying that everyone will, that it won't, you know, that it'll affect everyone the way it has affected me, um, you know, with ROCD and whatnot. Um, But I do believe it makes the decision way more difficult than it has to be. I mean, it is a difficult decision. It's not an easy choice to, you know, meet someone whom you want to spend the rest of your life with. But then to just pigeonhole every person's relationship to fit a particular mode, I think is dangerous. I think it's very dangerous. And I think we have the proof to show. I think we have the fruit to show that something isn't right. You know, you have some people who believe that if a relationship quote is of God, then they won't have any problems. Or it won't be a lot of work or the relationship would be easy to some degree, you know. And so I just think there's a lot to think about and to reframe. Um, as I said in my last episode, I'm I feel like I am now at a point where I'm really learning what love is, what love is and as opposed to what it's not. You know, love, first and foremost, is a is a choice. You know, you have to choose to love someone and make the decision to love someone. And I know you've probably heard it in church, you know, all the time. But at the same time, we have competing views of romance. And and I'm definitely not against romance because I'm a a hopeless romantic myself. But we really think that, you know, the movies we see and the books we read and and testimonies we hear um of what the standard um godly biblical marriage you know should look like feel like talk like sound like you know i think everyone should have the freedom um to make their relationship their own relationship um and i and i'm also learning That biblical marriage isn't what we think we think it is. Um, Because if you look at real accounts, real biblical um, accounts of biblical marriages in the Bible from Abraham, David, um, you know, those marriages were jacked up. You know, they involved rape. They involved lying. They involved, you know, infidelity. They involved you know, a lot of things that, um, we say, you know, is not acceptable in a relationship. And I don't believe these things are acceptable in a relationship, but if we want to really talk about what biblical marriage is, you know, and I know people want to say, well, it's supposed to pattern after Christ and the bride of, you know, the the body of Christ and all that, you know, in other words, just get an understanding of what these scriptures mean and, um and i read somewhere on someone's instagram post um i'm going to interview her actually her name is joanna lumen um you know she says she feels like the goal of everyone's marriage is to be healthy you know and that can look differently um you know that can look di- every that could be different for everyone's marriage or each per- each couple's marriage sorry i can't seem to <laughs> get my words out today um but yeah, I, I just wanted to share that with you all. Hopefully it'll help you. Um, and so you're probably thinking, okay, well, I found out that I have this. You know, I have ROCD. I've been noticing these sensations, you know, in my body or, or compulsions in my mind. And so what should I do about it? You know, first of all, I think you should look for a therapist or a counselor, Um and who specializes in ROCD, I would just do a, a Google search and see if there's someone in your area who deals with relationship OCD. If not, perhaps finding someone who specializes in cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, there's also meditation. Um, there's also um You know, being mindful of what's going on in your mind. So I just want to read a little bit here where it talks about acceptance tools for ROCD. It says relationships are to be experienced, not calculated. OCD will use the argument that without proof, there is no love. And without love, there is no relationship. This is just another of the disorders' tricks designed to get you to act on compulsions. Acceptance of relationship fears doesn't mean that you should accept abuse or force yourself to stay with a person you despise. To accept intrusive thoughts about your partner and the legitimacy of relationship is to accept that part of the experience of connecting your life with that of another person necessarily involves dis- discomfort. And I think that is so key. That's just, you know, I really don't believe, especially, and, and maybe I'm wrong in being too judgmental, but it really seems like in the church, we do not, we don't want to experience discomfort in any area of our lives. You know, we think, or it just seems like we think that if there's discomfort in anything, then we're under attack. Satan is attacking us. Um, We're being tried. We're being, you know, tested. You know, God is is putting us through something or allowing something to happen instead of just realizing that this is life. This is a part of being human. You know, you're not going to always be comfortable in everything that you do. You're not going to always be comfortable in your everyday life. And especially if you're dealing with other human beings, you're definitely not going to always feel comfortable. Now, again, as this book, as this passage just mentioned, I'm not talking about abuse. I'm not talking about putting yourself in harm's way We where you know that the person you're interacting with, whether it's a romantic partner or a family member, a friend and whatnot, that is really causing you distress and and. Stealing your joy, so to speak and chipping away at your quality of life, but just being just feeling discomfort, you know That's just a part of life. So I'm learning a lot. I'm learning a lot about myself I feel like i'm growing. I feel like i'm getting better um, I don't plan on um having this condition for long um especially like I said the more I learn about it the more I seek help the more I pray you know I, I'm doing the work I'm doing what it takes to get better and so um I hope this episode didn't sound too awkward cuz it was difficult for me to get my words together and and things um but I appreciate you all for listening Um, I keep forgetting to mention that if you have any questions or comments or feedback for not just this episode, but for any episodes that I have done already and those in the future, um, you can leave a voice message um, because I use Anchor for my podcast, uh, which is an app. And so I know in the Anchor app, there is an option to. Choose my podcast to favorite and also to leave a voice message because I would love to hear from you. I really would. I would love to hear whether or not what I'm saying and what I share is really helpful. If you have any ideas for podcast episode topics that you would love for me to talk about, whether it's headline news or whether it's something that you're interested in and want more knowledge about or want people to be educated about. Please feel free to reach out to me. Like I said, leave a voice message in the anchor app. And you can also um, find me on my Black White and In Color Facebook fan page. You can also find me on Instagram, black white in color, at black, white in color. That's my Instagram um, account. And then also my email address. Um, I'm going to change it to black, white, and color at gmail.com. But for now, it's lady, L-A-D-Y-A-L-A-M-U at gmail.com. So, yeah, I would love to hear from you. And thanks again so much for listening. Next episode, we're going to talk about decolonizing your faith. I'm going to have Joanna, Joanna Lumen who is from Columbia. She's married to a white American. And I've been watching a few of their videos about de and, and the journey that they have gone through and are still going through in decolonizing their faith. So I reached out to her um, and asked her for an interview. She has granted that interview f- um, for me. I'm very grateful and honored. So looking forward to that. And, um, yeah, God bless you. Thank you so much for listening until next week.